0: Last week we began Peter's second epistle. And we talked about him being a a minister of the Gospel and an apostle sent from God to lay the foundation of the church and the grace and peace that we have through the preaching of the Gospel which manifests life and immortality in Christ. It brings it to light. Through the knowledge... Of God and of Jesus our Lord. And we made a point there of Jesus being the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Godhead, even God Himself, as He's called in Isaiah. His name is the everlasting Father. Some things we take by faith because while we live in this body of flesh, we're not able to understand how three can be one. But Jesus said, I and my Father are one. And we see in First John, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. I don't doubt that. I don't fully understand that. But I believe that by faith because God has revealed it to us. I will see that one day and know more about it. And he talked about <clears throat> his divine power. It's the power of God in Christ has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You know, because Scripture teaches us, my mind goes to Romans 8.31, that there is absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're told to rightly divide the word of truth. We have life, eternal, immortal, where we shall stand in heaven in immortal glory. It's bought in the blood of the very Son of God, the living Word of God who was made flesh. Nothing can change that. Nothing can alter that. Nothing can deny that. Nothing can stop that. That is a surety as it can be. So when we... Read of having to come to something to have life or having to live in such a way to have life, we must understand the life which is being spoken of, which is the life that we live here in this world where we can suffer, there we shall not. Where we can stumble, there we shall not. Where we can fall, And there we shall not. So we rightly divide the word of truth when He tells us God has given us all things that pertain unto life, giving us life in this world. We're born of the Spirit of God because God gives us life and godliness. Walking with Christ who is God in this world. And it comes through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. The knowledge God writes on your heart, the head knowledge as we're taught, and the heart knowledge which comes from the Spirit of God, the preaching of the Gospel manifested to us. It comes from the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. I marked this last night about midnight reading this. I, I'm going to take one promise of God. I'm going to take a promise to a people who were in bondage, their own sin, put them there. The Lord gave Jehoiakim under, under the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. They had been in bondage because of their sins and the sins of their leaders. God will never leave us nor forsake us. That is a promise, and God cannot lie. This promise was given to people who were suffering, being captured in a nation that knew not God, that hated God. We're pretty much the same boat today. You consider this promise. But even in that God gave them a promise with such a precious hope, a promise which God who cannot lie has now come to pass and is daily coming to pass and will come to pass until the last promised heir of God, the last one the Father gave to the Son, is born of the Spirit of God. In Jeremiah 31, 31, Behold, the days come saith the Lord. This is a promise that begins here in the world. These are days that will come. Eternity is a day, singular, present tense. It will be now. These are days, the days in which we live in this world. It is a promise to us in this temporal world. And above all things, the purpose of God is Christ, is for the glory of, Of Jesus Christ his son. Now you listen to this. Everything God does is a purpose. It has a purpose. It is his purpose, and it's all purposed in Christ. The man in the body that suffered and bled and died. The Christ of God. The man in the body who now sits at the right hand of the Majesty on high. The man who will one day appear in the eastern sky in his glory upon the throne with a crown upon his head, King of kings, Lord of Lords. This is dealing with us in this world and will carry into glory. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. That's what was manifested at that time. They were in bondage. That is, Judea was in bondage. Israel had already ceased To exist, they had been conquered and captured, the Assyrians. As a nation, they existed no more. They had lost their identity as God's children, worshiping pagan gods of the Assyrians. Yet God speaks of them as they are because in His eternal purpose, they are. Now if you want to read Ezekiel 37, we can tie this to the Gentile church and the Jews of the lost sheep of the house of Israel who come together in the house of God in this world to worship Christ, the Son of God. Okay? This is in the world. I will make a new covenant. The old covenant was taken away. Christ fulfilled the law to a jot and a tittle. Everything set forth in the law and the prophets of the Lamb of God, the King of glory, was fulfilled in the man, Jesus Christ. That old covenant was done away with. It was dependent upon us and we break it. Because the flesh is weak. What we could not do, God does for us. God provided a sacrifice just as He did when Abraham took Isaac up to Mount Moriah and God provided a sacrifice. That's the same exact place where the Lamb of God was provided of God on the cross of Calvary where that Lamb of God was provided to take away our sins. But He says, "...not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt." Brought them out of bondage. Egypt is a type of depravity. He brought us out of depravity. "...which My covenant they break." Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant. You see, they break, they broke that covenant. The law is strong, the law is definite, but our flesh is weak. we could not satisfy the law. we would not satisfy the law. We were in rebellion to God by the nature of our flesh. Therefore, God in the eternal purpose of Jesus Christ provided the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. But this shall be the covenant that I... You see, watch this. I will. There's an affirmity of God. I will make with the house of Israel. A new covenant. He taketh away the first that He may establish the second. We go from law to grace. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put My law, His law is Christ. When God instructed Moses to build the Ark of the Covenant overlaid in pure gold. Man cannot form pure gold. It has to have an alloy. That tells me it has to be of God. It represents the righteousness of Christ with the cherubs on top looking one to another, representing the Son of God, the Son of Man because their work agreed. The law that God gave to Moses that God wrote upon the stone is a representation of the law that God writes upon your heart. Okay? When they brought the woman to Christ who was taken in adultery. talk about that some other time. Wonder who she'd been with. Perhaps one of those men that brought her. And Jesus knelt down and rolled on the ground. What does that teach us? That teaches us that Christ is the one who writes the law. Christ is the one who wrote upon the tablet of Moses. Christ, the only way to know God is in Christ. The only way to see God is in Christ. The only way to hear God is in Christ. To know Him in Christ Christ. The law that God writes upon your heart is in Christ and it is Christ Himself. That, those tablets in that ark represent the testimony of God which is Christ. That's one of His names. The testimony of God. He said, This should be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, I will put My law in their inward parts. Since the day Adam fell and transgressed in rebellion against God, there has been no other way to come to God except in Christ. Adam was driven from the garden. He was driven from the presence of God. That was an act of mercy or he would have been consumed because sin cannot exist before God and we're now sin. But there's been no way to come to God except Christ. Adam himself having to be born of the Spirit of God if in fact he is with God today. Because we're sinners. I will put my law in their own parts. I will give them birth. I will put my knowledge in their heart, Christ, and write it in their hearts, Ezekiel 37, and will be their God. You catch that? I will be. There's not a doubt of that. God, the purpose of God in Christ. He is our God. He made us. He created us. He saved us. He loved us with an everlasting love. He's drawn us with kindness. He is He will, He shall. Let there be no doubting of that for the promises of God, which is what we're talking about from Second Peter, or yea and amen. I will put My law in their inward parts. That teaches me that every child of God will be born of the Spirit of God before they leave this world. No matter who they are, if they stand in the elect of God, male, female, whatever race, no matter who they are, or what they've done, they shall stand with Christ in heaven. I will write my law upon their inward parts. I will change them. I will give them life taken from death and brought to life. After those days, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And will be their God. And they, all the elect of God, shall be my people. You can take that to the bank. Deposit that. That cannot be changed. That is affirmed. The word is Amen. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor. Listen, Mr. Arminian. And every man his brother. Say, know the Lord. Well, you've got to know the Lord. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make it this way. God said, I will do this. That is who does it. Nobody else has any glory but the Son of God through whom these works came, by whom they came, and He who works of Himself. Saying, know the Lord, for they shall all, all who? All the Father gave the Son. Know me. They shall all know me. That's not evidenced in society so heavily right now. But we do know for a fact that every child of God will be changed and given life before they leave this world and this Body of the world, and because it's made from the dust of the ground, we know we'll all be changed because we must be changed to stand before God. And a child of God, when he leaves this body, is present with the Lord. All of them. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity. When did He forgive us our iniquity? It is finished. The cross of Calvary. And I will remember their sin no more. There is a promise of God. Whereby are given unto us Second Peter 1 and 4. Exceeding great, I say so, And precious. Is it precious to you? Has God revealed this to you? Has it been manifested to you and brought to light by the preaching of the Gospel? Talking to Brother Freddie earlier, we miss church. Yes, when one is accustomed to being in church because you stand in the graces of God and God's enabled you to hear the Gospel and love the fellowship of the saints, yes, it hurts to not be there. You miss it very much so. Whereby unto us are giving exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises ye... There's an individual. Talk about a personal Savior. Yeah, I believe in that. He's the God of a people, but He's the God of each individual child of grace that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Woe! That ye who were dead and trespassed in sin, that ye who walked after the prince of the power, of the air, after the course of sin and death in this world at enmity with God, flesh, mortal flesh and blood, ye, through these promises of God, through the grace and graces of God, let's hit the nail on the head, through the purpose, the eternal purpose of Jesus Christ, for His glory might be partakers. Wow! Of the divine nature. The dead cannot walk. The dead cannot hear. I talk to my twins every time I cut the grass over there. I talk to my granddad and my grandmom. They're dead. They don't hear me. They don't get up and talk to me. They don't get hungry. They don't get thirsty. But yet I strive to speak to them. Perhaps that's foolish. I do not know. But when the day comes and those bodies are raised up, they'll be reunited with that spirit and that soul which is now with Christ and is alive, and they'll be alive completely immortal, body, spirit, and soul. Okay? But we are divine. We're partakers of His divine nature. As we said earlier, the glory of God should rest upon you. It falls upon you, so to speak, the glory of Christ. It is imputed. I don't mean to say it was spilled because His blood was not spilled and His glory is not spilled. But whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the images of His Son, whom He did predestinate. Them He also called. Whom He called, them He also justified in whom He justified He also glorified that's not verbatim but you can read it in Romans 8 the glory of God is upon you in this world when you strive to walk with God when you strive to turn away from this world when you shine as a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation when you keep the commandments of God which is to love one another you show forth You partake in the divine nature of God in Christ. And by this, these things we're going to talk about. You have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We've already talked about those who think it's strange that we run not to excess of riot with them. Those in the world who burn cities. Those in the world who live any which way they're pleased to live. Many of God's children are in that number and many of them that are in that number are not God's children. But the object of Satan is to bring the child of God to the level of the children of the world to accuse them before God. That's why Revelation 12 says the accuser of our brethren is cast down. He who said they rebelled, they're now dead in sin, is cast down because Christ defeated him. We have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lust of pride. Lust of power. Lust of money. Lust of flesh. Lust of narcissism. Myself, myself, myself. It's all about me because it's not about us at all. It's not even about the church. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. But by these promises, He's enabled us to escape the things around us, the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, every thought, constant prayer, walking through your job in the day I had to pray to God, help me, asking God to lead and guide. Every waking and sleeping moment when Satan comes at you sometimes with dreams that are sickening, diligently seeking The Lord. And beside this, giving all diligence. Add to your faith. Who's He talking to? Back to verse 1. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Who are they? Those that are born of the Spirit of God that God hath revealed Himself to. The, The... Fruits of the Spirit, they're all listed there in Galatians 5. That's how we ought to be walking and living in the world. To give glory to the Son of God who left heaven in immortal glory and came to this dark sinful world to suffer, bleed, and die and redeem us, to purchase us, to bring us back to God. Atonement at one minute with God. Add to your faith that God has given you virtue. Virtue. Righteousness. Holiness. Here it symbolizes good works. God hath given you faith by birth of the Spirit. For it is God which worketh in it both the will and do of his good pleasure. God causes us to desire to walk in Christ and to be virtuous walking in the example that the very Son of God laid for us while He was in this world. I've heard this said many times. (sighs) And sometimes it slaps me in the face and steps on my toes. The only time in Scripture... It's revealed that Christ became angry when they had corrupted the house of God, the house of prayer, and had made it a den of thieves. And he made a whip and overturned the tables and ran them out. A lot could be said there. We might cover it another time. But it gives someone like me a knowledge of the time that I should be angry in the times that I should not be angry. Beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, walking in the imputed righteousness of Christ. And to virtue, add to your faith good works. And to good works, knowledge. Now we have the knowledge of God. We have the knowledge of the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have the knowledge of life and immortality. It's preached to us in the gospel, the true gospel, Christ and Him crucified, Christ and Him crucified. Christ and Him crucified. You don't find an old Baptist preacher there. You don't find an Arminian there. You don't find a church or a choir or a Sunday school. You find Christ and Him crucified. There is our salvation. We have that knowledge. It's written upon our hearts. And hopefully God will keep us in preaching that true Gospel until time is no more. But the knowledge... Spoken of here. Faith, good works, knowledge is the knowledge of the will of God, which we are ordained to walk in his good works, which he hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. There are many people that lay many things upon God's. Children that they are to do because they deem it necessary the man telling them that they should do it. This is no different than the Pharisees, Matthew 27 I believe it was, that would lay heavy burdens upon men's shoulders that could not be born. They refused them entry into the kingdom and entered not in their cells, The kingdom being the church kingdom in this world which is represented here. The knowledge of God. All the law and all the prophets were until Christ. Why? Because they prophesied of Christ. There is our salvation. In that we ordained into the good works, the good works that we are to do is the law of God. The law is summed up in the one word, love. The knowledge of God, fulfilling the law of God and what is our responsibility that we are to do is to love one another and that goes into charity and I hope to get that in a moment. Knowledge. The knowledge is what God requires of us. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And to knowledge, the knowledge of how God would have us to live. It's not the warm fuzzy some man gives you when he tells you you're supposed to go out and do something. Something. It's the knowledge God gives you and the knowledge in Scripture and that He writes upon your heart that you are how you are supposed to walk and live in this dark, sinful world. And to knowledge, temperance. Temperance. First of all, we'll get into more of this in a second. You ever seen somebody temper a piece of steel? You heat it. I mentioned somewhere last few weeks in Isaiah where the Lord said, Behold, I've chosen thee in the furnace. There's heat of affliction. I went to Malachi where he forms us as a refiner and purifier of gold and silver as we walk through the furnace of affliction as the world hates us. Temperance. Temperance. That steel is heated. It's formed. It's shaped. It'll bend. But it doesn't break. It is exposed to great heat. It turns red in the fire. Can we see that in Zechariah? I have plucked thee out of the fire. We were in the fire, and God pulls us out. God fashions us. God shapes us. To knowledge, temperance. Okay. Temperance. Judging ourselves lest we be judged. The Lord said. Judge not that you be not judged. And that's not verbatim, I'm sure. But the message is plainly given to us from the Savior that we're not to judge other people until we first judge ourselves and remove the beam from our eye. Then can we clearly see through the knowledge of God to help, not to condemn, to help our brother. That's the purpose is to help our brother. Temperance to control our emotions. Temperance to control our acts, our walk, our conversation. Temperance to, as the steel in the fire to be formed as a potter forms a clay. To be formed as a steel is formed by the smith. And to be hardened against the things of the world. To grow strong. We're going to talk about patience next. Perhaps I'll do that now, but I want to cover something else. Temperance to turn away from all these corruptions that are in the world through lust. And again, Each man is drawn away when he's enticed of his own lust. We all have our own desires within us that eat at us and Satan knows what they are. We have to grow with Christ and be temperate. He's talking about prospering and living in the world in godliness. He's telling us how to do that temperance add to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience romans chapter 5 i'll read it if i find it in time tribulation worketh patience let's read part of the first chapter beginning with verse 1 therefore being justified by faith let me say this Let me tell you this very true fact. Rightly divide the word of truth, okay? Your faith does not justify you to God. You have faith because you are justified of God. Faith is an evidence that you're a child of God. It comes by birth of the Spirit. Therefore, if you have faith, you're born of God, okay? You are justified in the blood of the Lamb of God and that alone. We're justified by faith in our mind. It gives us peace. Because we know and believe and have a hope of being away from this world and seeing the Lord Jesus Christ in glory forever. And another one justified by works. We find in James who says, Show me thy faith by thy works. You're justified by works in those around you because they see the Lord working in you. They see Christ magnified in you. you trying to emulate the walk of Christ. And they can see and say, Surely this man is God's child or woman. Okay. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God and not only so, this goes with the text, but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. Let me lay you out this in a way that I know how. Speaking from my own experiences, the old folks call this experimental. We call it uh, not experimental, but something we've experienced. Same thing. Don't be confused. We change dictionaries from time to time. And we corrupt the true English language as men corrupt the Scripture through influence of Satan. We glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation worketh patience. The more that we suffer living in this world, despising the wickedness, the darkness, eschewing, hating, Evil and wickedness in this world, and all the things that go with it. I don't have to start naming sins, we all know them. We see how this nation and society has fallen, and living through this, it eats at us, it gnaws at us, it bothers us, not even including the tribulation of your body and the shape of the church. And other things. It's just plain old living in this world. Tribulation worketh patience. It's all from sin, which is from Satan. Tribulation worketh patience. You take a policeman, you take a soldier, they go into battle, they're trained, they're taught, they know what to do. If I did my job in the way that I was trained, I very probably would have killed a dozen people while I worked for the city of Birmingham. But as you walk and as you gain this patience, you gain this experience. You don't have to do things, and I'm using killing because police are taught to be a terror to evil, and if someone's life is at stake to kill them, I never killed anybody. I'm saying this to make a point. You take a police officer, been in the city of Birmingham five years, he's got more experience than a state trooper or a deputy or any sub police, and he does his job differently. He doesn't get as excited. He doesn't panic. He doesn't get worried because he's been exposed to so much, just like a soldier who has been in war has been exposed to so much death and threat of death and things that are accompanied with war He's experienced. The more we suffer tribulation in this world, and if we're God's children, we do and shall, patiently we become experienced. Like that piece of tempered steel will bend yet not break. And with that experience comes hope. So many times we talk about hope as grasping at straws. Oh, I'm under the water. If I could just perhaps touch that rope and get a hold of it that's on the side of the boat and pull myself up. That's not the hope of the Bible. The hope of the Bible is an earnest expectation of the manifestation of the sons of God that Christ will return and gather body, spirit, soul of each one of His children. That hope, that knowledge carries us through all that we face in this world. And hope maketh not ashamed. (laughs) Because... You know, I was taught as a child, we don't need to be a preacher out there in the world. Somebody might hear us that don't believe. Lord have mercy, we try to kill ourselves. I've gotten to the point in my life that if I'm around a group of people somewhere before long, I'm going to talk about the Lord. If it offends you, go away. If it makes you angry, get over it, okay? If it makes that person is what I'm saying. You don't want to hear it. Don't come around me. I'm not ashamed of Christ. Let me rephrase that. By the grace of God upon me, I'm not ashamed of Christ. Were it not for that grace, I'd be like exactly like the one there judging me for loving Christ who was angered because I speak His name. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Which is given unto us. Where were we? The knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, <laughs> and the patience, godliness. Add to your faith these things godliness. We are but flesh. Yet, being, going back to chapter 1 of 1 Peter, being chosen, elected of God to be made holy, we can walk in godliness. We can manifest the work and love of God in our heart. Again, remember what's the purpose of all things? All things. It's it's about Christ and his glory. Add to your patience godliness, walking as Christ ordained that we should walk. And has enabled us to do so. Godliness What does that mean? What is God? Holy. How are we to walk? Holy. Can we obtain that? Not on our own. By the grace of God, we can do it for bits of time and spaces and we'll fall and and the Lord will give us repentance and turn us around and bring us back. That's human nature. Walk. Add to this godliness. Striving to walk with God. And to godliness, we're adding to brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. And there's not a comma here. Charity. Being kind to your brethren. Paul Bear Brother Stump, the funeral of the day, a great honor to me saying that to make this point. This is one thing I heard Him say many years ago. Preaching from 1 Corinthians 13. It's stuck in my mind. It is still in my mind. What is charity? Some people say love. Charity goes to love manifested. Love in action. If your brother or your sister has a need, pray for them. And if able, supply that to them which they need. Whether it's a hug, a handshake, a word of encouragement, a prayer, a biscuit, a glass of water, a cup of coffee, a shirt to put on, a pair of pants, shoes, whatever is needed in this life through the love of God, through the love of Jesus Christ, act upon that love and give it to your brethren. And I'll go a step farther. We share a brotherly love, but we're even told to love our enemies. I don't love another woman as I love my wife, and I don't love someone outside the church as far... I don't mean outside the building. I mean someone who is not a child of grace. I don't know where they are or not. I'm going to butcher this up if I don't hurry up. If someone is in need of something, even if they're your enemy and they're hungry you're to love them in the way of feeding them, okay? And them the things that are necessary in life, that's the love to your enemy. It's nothing like the love to your brother or the love to your wife or the love to your children, okay? There's a deeper spiritual love of fellowship in Christ among God's people. But we're to be charitable. We're to show that love. I'm not telling you to go write a check to Salvation Army. You do what you want to do. If you're blessed and want to share, then share. He is making, and I don't want your money, He is making this example telling us how to live in godliness and I'll just go with the next verse. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, We won't be barren like the fig tree that bore no fruit and was touched of the Lord and died because it bore no fruit. It was unfruitful. We won't be like that. If we live as we're taught in Scripture... And we cannot do that unless we're among the elect of God and been given life by God. But if we live in that grace through Christ and we walk in this way, we won't be barren or unfruitful. What does that mean? We'll live in such a way that gives glory to God, loving each other. I've said this, and I've said this, and I've said this, but this is a good place to bring it to mind. Go back to the change of doctrine in this country. We went through a civil war. We've been through two world wars. We've gone going probably into another one. Several conflicts. The family has basically been destroyed of Satan. Husbands not loving wives, wives not reverencing husbands, and I'll say this again: if the man loves his wife, she will reverence him. Not teaching our children about religion. I got a kin folks that I'm not going to teach my child about God and how to worship. Well, that's no wonder they're not in the church, is it? This is teaching us how to be fruitful to God. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. There are people in this world that are blind because they're not given to know the truth. They're not among the elect of God. God did absolutely nothing to them. God did not cause them to sin. They fell in Adam. God left them right where they're at has done nothing wrong to them. So don't blame it on God. There are people in this world, primarily the Jews that Isaiah has told us about, that God blinded from Christ because of their sins. They're blinded. Now, most people seem to think this talks about those that are not given to know God, those that will never know God. Let's read it. He's blind. He cannot see far off. He can't see heaven and immortal glory, and hath forgotten something that he wants. New, hath forgotten you can't forget something you don't know any more than you can work out something you don't have. You can't work out salvation if you don't have it to work. You can't work a garden unless you've got a garden. You can't forget something unless at one time you were in possession of it. And with that, I'll say you cannot be unborn of the Spirit of God. And I have lived through enough of life to know that I've been in this position myself. Carried away with the afflictions of the world, the things of the world, trying to find a place to hide. You know, it's hard being a man in the South, or it used to be. I don't know how many are left now. You're tough. You don't show emotion. you not going to bend, you're not going to break, you don't know how to cry, people dying around you, you're hurting, you're hurting, you won't show it, you won't accept it. Things happen. People hurt. People forget. Because they take their eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ, which is Satan's intent, they turn away. God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. All they've got to do is turn back around. That's called repentance. And God grants it eventually to each of His children. Forgotten that He was purged from His old sins. Carried away with the world and the things in the world. His own fault. His own fault problem wherefore the rather brethren give diligence I'm going to close with this may start about here next week to make your calling and election sure walking in the way that we just read to make our calling and election sure sure to who? Sure to you heart, your heart. This is one way. Poor suffering child of God, afflicted from your own self, afflicted from Satan and the things of the world. Repentance. Repentance. Government's not going to save us. Armies are not going to save us. Only God can save us. Repentance. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Walk in the way that God has ordained. If you love me, keep my commandments. And the greatest of these is that you love one another. If you do these things, you shall never fall.